Lord, we thank you. Jesus, we're so grateful to you for giving your life so that we can live, that we can know you, and that we can fully live the way you've designed and called us and equipped us to live. I thank you that you are increasing, that you are producing in us a greater hunger and passion for your presence. And Lord, we say bring it. Holy Spirit, bring it. We invite you to work in our hearts, to work in our lives. And Lord, we just surrender our ears and our hearts to you today. And we ask that you would speak to us and that you would deal with us. And we welcome, Holy Spirit, whatever it is that you want to bring. And Lord, I I just pray that we'd become overwhelmed with your love and we would become passionate in our love for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I just want to recap from last week. Uh, For those of you who weren't here, if you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to, um, I believe the last week's sermon is on the internet, on the website, so you could watch that, listen to it, uh, so you can catch up with where we were last week and where we're going. But basically, the, the one thing I, I feel like the Lord has, has been speaking to me specifically is He said that we need to become intentional in cooperating with Him to allow Him to develop a culture of expectation in this place. He said, just as we've been intentional in developing relationship, just as, and many of us, we've been intentional in developing relationships, pursuing each other, in the same way, He wants us to cooperate with Him and be intentional in developing a culture of expectation. You say, what do I mean by that? A culture of faith, a place here where we expect the Holy Spirit to have His way. We expect to encounter God when we meet with Him on Sundays. Because the Word says that He inhabits the praises of His people. In other words, when His people come together to praise, God shows up in a special way. There's a special manifestation of His presence that happens. When two or three believers are gathered in His name, there's a special manifestation. So we know that He comes. We know that there's different levels of His presence. And our desire, and, and actually God's desire, is to have a place where He can show up and do what He wants, to change lives. See, it's not about us coming and having a religious experience. But it's about us coming together and allowing Him to do what He wants to do in us, so then we will go out and do what He's called us to do. Amen? And we will be a place where miracles happen regularly. We will be a place where people can come and be delivered. We will be the kind of people that people can, will come in contact with, encounter you, and they will experience the love of Jesus. We are those kind of people. And we will become that more and more and more. <clears throat> and I realize that we are not for everybody. 
Everybody's not going to... I believe that every church in Stillwater that's part of the body of Christ, that loves Jesus, that preaches the Word of God, the Bible, they're part of the body. We all have our different assignments. We have our different flavors, our different giftings, callings. And not every church is for everybody. You understand that? We're not for everybody. And I don't expect us to reach everybody. We're going to reach everybody we can. And those, because see, the Bible says that God added to their number daily. See, it's not my job. And I realize, I come to the realization that it's not my job or it's not our job to build this church. Our job is to promote the kingdom. And he will add to the church daily. And when I heard that, it was either Bill Johnson or Chris Vallotton. Man, it just, something went off inside of me. And it set me free. It set me at ease. I don't have to focus on... Now, what I mean by building a church, I mean trying to get more people to come. Of course, we want to invite people. I want to encourage you to invite your friends, invite people, because we believe this is going to be a place where they can come and be encouraged, be built up, be trained, and be changed. But I realize that as I propagate the kingdoms, I go and just allow God's kingdom to flow through me. He's going to build this church. And there are going to be people that come and they visit and they say, well, it's a nice church, but it's, it's not for me. Long periods of worship, you know, 30, 45 minutes of worship is not, if, not for everybody. But that is and that will become more of our value system. His presence is our value system. And I'm really excited about what God is doing and been doing in my life. It's It's insane. And my number one desire this morning is to be able to keep it together so I can share the message that he has for me, for you. And I shared last week that I believe that the number one way or, or I, yeah, number one way for this culture of expectation to happen in this place is through worship. Worshiping him. Could you go and put that scripture on the board? John chapter 4. Verse 23 and 24. It says, But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. The Father is seeking such to worship Him. Next one. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. That verse hit me last week like it never had before when I realized that God is seeking the Bible says that God loves the whole world, right? I mean, He loves the whole world that whoever believes in Him, whoever submits their lives to Jesus, gives their lives to Jesus, they will have eternal life. God loved the world, and He gave His Son for everybody. Now, of course, it's up to us. It's up to the world to respond to that. But when it says God is seeking for such, see, that gets my attention. Because that makes me want to get in His way. You know, if God's looking, I want to get where He's looking. And it says, God is looking for those who will worship Him in spirit and truth. So I'm thinking, hmm, what can I do about that? And then the Father says, I'm glad you asked. And when I look in His Word, first of all, it's, it's kind of crazy because God says, you know, I'm looking for certain people. Hmm, who will worship me? Who will allow me to change their lives? Who will allow? I say, oh God, I want that. I want that. And it's like, oh, man, I wish I knew how to do that. And God says, I'm glad you asked. Check this out. And then he shows us in his word, here's how you do this. 
It's like, are you serious? That's all I have to do? And I get you? I get to draw closer to you? I get my life, my life changes? He says, yep. That's right. So worship, it is a big deal. Some people don't understand why we make worship a big deal. We make worship a big deal because God made it a big deal. And whatever's a big deal to him is a big deal to me. Whatever he likes, I want to like. You know, it's the same way, you know, again, I shared how God, he uses earthly relationships to help us understand what kind of relationship he wants us to have with him. What does it look like so that I know what to do so I can move towards him? And he equates relationship with him to marriage because it's a picture. It's a physical picture we can look like. And years ago, if you would ask me 25 years ago, 26, we've been here almost, anyway, if you asked me 25 years ago if I cared about horses, I'd say, nope, nope, horse, okay, good, nice. But if you ask me now, what do you think about horses? Horses are awesome. Horses are incredible. Why is that? Because they're a big deal to Lisa. And they're becoming a big deal to me. I remember my son. Now there was a time when I was doing this in faith. I mean embracing horses. It was faith. I remember Benjamin asking me, Dad, do you really like horses? I was thinking, how can I answer this and be truthful and honor my wife? I don't want to lie. And I said, yes, son, I do. I think he asked me, Dad, are horses your favorite animal? And I said, yes, son, they are. And I was thinking inside, am I lying? And then it's like, no, because I'm choosing to make horses my favorite animal. That's a choice. Horses are my favorite animal because it's a big deal to her. So it's becoming a big deal to me, a bigger deal. Now, it's not as big a deal as it is to her yet. Okay? But it's becoming that way. And it's the same, same thing with God. Whatever's a big deal to Him, it's becoming a big deal to me. People are a pretty big deal to God. They are. In case you didn't know that. People are a big deal to Him. If you'd asked me when I first got saved, CJ, are people a big deal to you? Not really. I could take them or leave them. I mean, I like people, so don't get me wrong, but I mean, I didn't go out of my way to passionately pursue people, but that's changed. I do go out of my way now to pursue people. People are a big deal to me because they're a big deal to my father. His desires are becoming my desires. The things that he enjoys are becoming the things that I enjoy. So I look at this area of praise and worship and I say, you know, this is a big deal to God. How can I participate in this more? And I believe there is so much involved in praise and worship that we have no idea. There are so many benefits. There are so much that will happen in our lives if we just give ourselves and say, you know what, I'm just going to worship you, God. You know, today I want to talk about a couple of things, expressions of praise and worship and benefits. You know, we... We talk about clapping our hands. We talk about shouting. We talk about um, playing skillfully or playing skillfully on the instruments, singing a new song, all these different things. 
And some people are going to say, well, you're just being emotional. You're just doing that because you're an emotional person. I'm doing it because God's inviting me to do it. Do you realize all those expressions that I said, clapping, dancing, playing skillfully on instruments, singing new songs, shouting, those are things that the Bible says to do? Those are things that God is inviting us to do and encourage. Matter of fact, He tells us, He didn't ask, hey, you know, if you want to, if you, if you have a certain personality type, you might want to shout. I don't see those scriptures. Psalms 47, 1 and 2, it says, Clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is awesome. He is the great King over all the earth. Why are we clapping and shouting? Because God is awesome. It says right here, clap. Clap your hands. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. Because the Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great King over all the earth. Psalms 5.11, but, but let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also whom you love, who love your name, be joyful in you. So people are saying, what's the big deal about shouting? I have no idea. But there are so many scriptures in the Old Testament and Psalms and, and other scriptures that tell us to shout. Let me read a few of these. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Psalms 32, 11. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with the shout of joy. Psalms 33, 3. Let them shout for joy and be glad. Who, who favor my righteous cause and let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified. Who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants? Let them shout for joy and be glad. Psalms 35, 27. Make a joyful shout to God, all the earth. Sing out. The honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. Psalm 66, 1. Sing aloud to God our, your, our strength. Make a joyful shout to the God of Jacob. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Make a shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. Shout joyfully to the Lord. All the earth break forth in song. Rejoice and sing praises. Sing to the Lord with the harp. With the harp and the sound of a psalm. With trumpets and the sound of a horn. Shout joyfully before the Lord. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness. Let your saints shout for joy. Sing to the Lord for he has done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, O inhabitants of Zion. For great is the Holy One of Israel in your midst. What is it with shouting? Is it just for those of us who are emotionally bent that way? I mean, think about it. You know, because we do things. You hear some of us, some of us freaks in here who shout and scream and, and all that kind of stuff during worship and, and clap and do all this weird stuff. And you think, oh, he's okay. He's just that way. <laughs> We're praying for him. It's okay. And some of us get embarrassed. It's like, oh man, I remember we had a, a lady years ago, years ago who came to our church. She was from another country. I can't remember which country. I just remembered her name. Wonderful, awesome woman. But man, when we get to worshiping and everything, this lady would go off. I mean, she would go off. And it was funny because it would, it, like it, the atmosphere would just, just go to a higher level. 
It's like she was a pace setter. And she wasn't doing it on purpose. She wasn't the type of person that was drawing attention to herself. But it's like when she got in God's presence and she just went off. I mean, the, the shouting, the, the stuff. And I know there were some people, you know, especially when you have visitors and people come and, and you think, and I probably even had these thoughts too. You know, you have a, a visitor with you that you finally got to church. And maybe they're a dignified person, you know, whatever. And you're thinking, I sure hope she doesn't go off today. Maybe she won't show up. It's like, oh, she's here. I want to be one of those kind of people. Not to draw attention to myself, but because I get so lost in His presence, I get so overwhelmed and overcome by Him. And it's starting to happen. I don't understand what it is about shouting. But he says to do it. And you know, I was sharing a couple of weeks ago, or last week, whenever it was, I was going to Oklahoma City. I had an appointment with somebody. And I was driving, and, and I was worshiping, and just being crazy, having a good time. And I said, God, I want, to, I want to encounter you right now. But I said, Lord, and I did say, but. I said, but Lord, you know I'm driving right now. And so be mindful. <laughs> because, I mean, I've heard situations of people getting drunk and they have to pull over. But see, it's like, God, I want to experience you, but it, it does need to be kind of subdued because I, I have an appointment I need to get to. But God, I just want you. I want to encounter you. And I feel like he honored that because I didn't fly off the road. I didn't have to pull over. It got close. But I just felt his presence as I was worshiping him. And I was becoming overwhelmed by him. And all of a sudden, this thing in me started rising up. And I started shouting. I mean, I started shouting. And it's like the atmosphere in the van changed. And I had no idea what I was doing, why I was doing it. But it just came up out of me. And something changed. I don't know why he tells us to shout. But he knows better than I do. I don't know. the You know, I even did research. I tried to look on the internet. The benefits of shouting. Seriously. Because you know what I'm learning? When God says to do something, there's always benefits. Just like praying in tongues. Which I'm not going to necessarily talk about today, necessarily. But I'm going to be talking about that soon. But I learned when I was... I did a little bit of research a few years ago when I was doing a series on that. And there are documented medical, physical benefits to praying in tongues. I mean, you can look it up on the internet. They did stuff on NBC News or, or one of the news. It was on TV. Benefits of praying in tongues. Blood pressure goes down. Stress goes down. Your immune system goes up. You're saying, why are you saying all that? Because the Bible says, he who prays in a tongue edifies or builds himself up. God knew what he was doing. Paul said, I wish that you all prayed in tongues. See, we think it's just a religious exercise. It's something we do when we want to get stirred up or whatever. Paul says, I pray in tongues more than you all. That's a pretty bold statement to say. He didn't know how often other people prayed in tongues. But he said, I pray more in tongues than all of you guys. Which meant he must have prayed in it a lot. And I tend to think that Paul had some kind of revelation. Now, he may not have known the medical benefits. But remember, he's the one that went up to the third heaven and saw stuff that he was not able to explain. Remember that? 
He saw some stuff. He had an understanding of things. And he says, I wish all of you prayed in tongues. And so my logic says, if God wants us to do that and there are benefits of it, then it's like, hmm, I bet there's benefits to other stuff that he tells us to do. Clapping, dancing, shouting, all that stuff. I don't know what they are, but there's something to it. And God is inviting us to be free in that way for some reason. Here's my challenge and encouragement to you. Take them upon that offer. Take them up on it. Say, God, I don't understand, but I'm coming after you. I'm going to give it a try. Get somewhere by yourself. Make sure nobody hears you. You know, whether you need to get in a car and park on the other side of the lake or something. So you won't have to be self-conscious. Okay? So it's for your benefit. And just shout because he's good. And just shout, God, you are so good. I love you. I worship God. There's no one like you. And you're saying, but if you knew my circumstances, exactly. That's why you need to do it. Because regardless of the circumstances, God, I still love you. God, you are still awesome. You know, God is not awesome only when our circumstances are good. He's awesome all the time, period. And so we just scream, God, you're so good. Oh, I love you. Oh. And just see what happens. And if nothing happens, if you say, well, I did that. Nothing happens except my throat hurts. Know this, that you honored God. And he was pleased. If nothing else happens, just know that you honored God and he was pleased. And please feel free. On Sunday mornings when we come and we worship and the worship team is playing, feel free to shout. Okay? I'm the pastor of this church and I give you permission. Please feel free. And again, it's not for the sake of shouting, but it's because he said to do it. And you're acknowledging, God, you are good. You are good. There's a couple of scriptures on dancing. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name with the dance. Let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and heart. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. The Lord takes pleasure in his people. I think that's the reason to dance. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with string instruments. Ooh, we have string instruments. Play skillfully with a loud shout of joy. Dancing before the Lord. You know, there was, a, there was this guy in the Bible. You might not have ever heard of him. Wasn't too famous. Name was David. God's favorite king. There was a time when God's presence was not in Israel. The ark had been removed. I don't remember the circumstances, but we know the story. The ark was over there. They tried to move it one time. They did it wrong. Judgment came. David was mad and afraid. The ark stayed at the guy's house. The guy blessed, was blessed and prospered. I mean, it was like... Think how upset that guy was when David came and got the ark. Like, dude, David, whoa. Come on. My business is flourishing. Are you kidding me? But David figured out how to bring the ark back, which represented God's presence. Brought it back to Jerusalem or wherever they were. I think it's Jerusalem. And David is freaking out. He is so excited. We're talking about the king. 
And we're not talking about a wimpy kind of guy. We're not talking about a, a guy who's, who's not masculine or a wimp or whatever. However you may want to characterize it. This guy was a manly man. Okay, guys? He can kick all of our butts put together. I mean, this man, but he loved God passionately. And when they brought the ark back, when they brought the presence of God back, he was so beside himself that he stripped down. Don't know what that looks like, understand. But he was... Might have had Haynes boxer briefs on, I don't know. But he took off the robe, the royal garments, and the dude was getting down. He was getting after it. Why? To show off? Do you think that's really what he was doing? He was... Oh man, he was so undone. He was so excited that the presence of God was back where it belonged. And he was celebrating. And he was getting down and he was embarrassing his wife. You know, I was thinking about poor Micah who despised her husband. She was looking at this man who was becoming so undignified. She's like, I can't believe that I'm so embarrassed. I mean, you can preach with that by itself. But you know, the interesting thing about Micah, the poor girl, did not honor the presence of God. That was her problem. Because she was looking at her husband, who was freaking out, instead of, oh my goodness, God's presence is back. She's focused on the wrong thing. She didn't honor, she didn't value the presence of God. She was all about herself. How is this going to make us look? How could you act like this in front of all them women? Are you kidding me? I mean, you're the king. Get a hold of yourself. I mean, she tore, up, tore him up. Gave him a pretty good tongue lashing. And it says from that point on, she was barren. Either she became barren supernaturally, or... Her and David didn't have relations anymore. I value God's presence. She doesn't. Broken relationship. The Bible says to sing a new song. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. Psalms 33.3. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought forth, brought me up out of a humble pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it in here and will trust in the Lord. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. The Bible encourages us to sing a new song. This guy had a new song put in him by God because of his deliverance. When we become so excited and so appreciative of God, your heart wants to sing a song. And you'll notice sometimes during the worship time, when we're not singing the songs on the board, and then we're invited just to sing a song. You know, Todd or Caleb or Taylor or whoever's leading will say, just sing to him. That's your and my opportunity to sing a new song, a song that's never been sung before by you. And you just begin to belt out whatever's in your heart. He invites us to do that. He 
invites us to do that. Some people are stuck on, do I have to? No, you get to. Come on now. We get to sing a new song. We get to dance. He says to play skillfully. Why do they play skillfully on instruments? Why is there sometimes when the singing is stopped and the music is still, or the, yeah, the music is still going? Because the Bible invites us, invites them to play skillfully. And it says on the stringed instruments. We got some of those. On the drums, on the, on the piano, and whatever, play skillfully. It's, it's a time of, it's not a guitar solo to, hey, look at me, look, check this out. It's a skillful song being played to Him. It's an invitation for us not to stare and watch and ooh and all. Ah, although if you want to do that, go for it. But it's an invitation for us to, say, to join in and say, God, I love you. I'm going to worship you. That's our cue to worship Him. That's what this is all about. That's why we do these things. It's not to bring attention to our skilled musicians. It has nothing to do with it. I praise God for our skilled musicians. Those that, see, because I know them all. I know them personally. I know their hearts. And they worship. They love to worship God. How do I know that? Because they don't just do it here on Sunday mornings. And so I trust them. They worship God. They love to worship Him. I want them in front so they will encourage and they will lead us into His presence. That's what it's about. We don't do it perfectly, obviously. But this is why we do what we do on Sunday mornings. Because it's about Him. Now what are some of the benefits? And I know I'm not covering everything. I trust the Holy Spirit to fill in the, fill in the gaps. Why is it important to do this? Number one, we are reminded how incredible and magnificent our God is when we take time to gaze upon Him. How incredible and magnificent He is when we take time to gaze upon Him. See, we get so distracted with the stuff and the life and everything that's going around us. And we get overwhelmed. We become overwhelmed with the cares of this world. And then that becomes magnified and that becomes important. That's why it's so important to daily put our gaze upon Him. Daily spend time in His presence. Daily worship Him. So that we can be reminded. We need to be reminded because we forget. In Revelation 4, 8, it says, The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks to Him who sat on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fell down before Him who sits on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for You created all things and by Your will they existed and were created. What's going on in this situation? It's given us a scene in heaven where this, this strange creature thing that would probably freak us out if it appeared to us. We'd probably think it was a demon. But it's this beautiful, glorious creature. Has six wings. It's full of eyes all around and within. I mean, that sounds kind of freaky, doesn't it? But this thing, and I don't mean in disrespect by that. I don't know what to call it other than the creature. It keeps saying, holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And they keep saying that over and over and over. And I, I used to think, you know, that sounds kind of boring. Just over and over? Come on, isn't there anything else going on up there? 
Holy, 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 holy. And then it says the 24 elders who have crowns, so they must rule and reign, they throw their, they fall down and throw their crowns down and they just begin to shout praises and worship to God. It says, you are worthy. And this keeps, and it appears that this keeps going on and on and on. And it's like, what is that about? And I've heard Pastor Dale share this, and I I wholeheartedly agree with this. That God, who is infinite, who is just that. There's no end. So these creatures, or this creature, in his presence, God keeps revealing more of himself. And they're like, whoa, bam, fall on their face. And all like, holy, oh God, oh God, you're so good. And they gather themselves up. They dust themselves up. Hey, you okay? Yeah, here's your crown. Here you go. Oh, say, thank you, man. Brush themselves off. They look at him again like, what? Fall on their face again. Over it. Because they see more of God and they can't take it. And they just fall on their face. See, that's the kind of God who's inviting us to come to him to know him. And as we give ourselves to that, we're going to experience the same thing. And I'm starting to experience that on a level that I never had before. Where all I can do is just sit there and fight back the tears, and sometimes I don't, and say, God, God. That's all I can say. And I don't have enough words to describe how awesome He is. And it's starting to freak me out a little bit. It's like, and, the only, and, and I've been doing this before. I know about worship. I mean, I've been around a pastor for 20-something years who, who's all about worship. And I appreciate that value being instilled in me through my spiritual father. So I know worship. I've been doing it for years. But check this out. After all these years, it hasn't grown old, but it's becoming more. And that I can't explain other than God is just... He's all that in a bag of chips. What's another benefit? Being in His presence reminds you of, of His greatness, and it keeps me humble. It was interesting. I was, I was getting ready for work, and I, just, and I was just worshiping. And all of a sudden, I had this flash in my mind, and I was thinking of, of great men of God, men that I respect. And it just this thought, just, you know how things flash through you, and, and it's like a whole paragraph but it just flashes well I had these thoughts flash through me and I thought about men that I respect Pastor Dale was in that in that thought and the thought was how do you keep from because some people get powerful and it corrupts them they go sideways and I just had this thought and I recognize the Holy Spirit how do you keep that from happening and then the Lord reminded me Two men, particularly Pastor Dale and another man, being in God's presence. That's one thing that I contribute to Pastor Dale is he lives in God's presence. That is a strong value of his. And this other man, I look up to him, I'm thinking, what do these two men have in common? They love God's presence. That's the key. God has created you to be powerful. Okay? How do I know that? Because the Holy Spirit's inside of you. And He is not insignificant. 
He's powerful. The one who raised Jesus from the dead dwells within you. So think about it. Is he going to put his glorious power that inside of you for insignificance? Come on now. He created you to be powerful. The scary thing is, is you can become powerful and then you can go sideways because that power can go to your head. What's going to keep you safe? What's going to keep me safe? His presence. Because when I'm in His presence and I'm reminded of how awesome He is, and I might, let's say I'm starting to think of myself a little bit, thinking, hey, man, check this out. Not too bad. When I get in His presence, I'm like, whoa, oh God, thank you. I'm going to be reminded who is the awesome one. And if I stay in his presence and that's what's happening, I can't get enough of him. It's freaking me out. That's the only word I can think of because I'm experiencing things I've never had before. But my love for God is increasing and it's freaking me out. And my passion and what I'm having a hard time expressing is I want you to experience the same thing. You know, what I shared last week, the thing, the three things that we must do if we want Him, His presence, here in our church, here in this place, in this building. We have to prepare ourselves. We have to participate. And we have to protect the environment. Remember that. Remember me sharing that. And some of you may think, man, that's pretty harsh when I talked about protecting yourself from gossip. Don't give yourself to gossip, but don't give yourself to that. And we need to protect... Am I allowing, am I taking his presence for granted and have I become slack and, and I come late, I just get there whenever I can. Oh, I'm just missing the worship, so it's okay. It's okay to get there at 10.30 and it's not a big deal. And I become lax and slack in my attitude towards God. It's like, come on church, we can't allow that to happen. And you think, why would I say that? Maybe it came across as harsh because I want you to experience him. Because it is about him. And if you, because I realize you have problems, we have problems that we can't fix. Sometimes people come and talk to me and Lisa and they share their heart and they share and I'm like, dang, I ain't got nothing, I I don't know what to do. Dude, you're in some big trouble. Well, that doesn't encourage you, sorry. But what I realize is I know somebody who can change and fix it all. And my heart is to get you plugged into him. And it's like, it's all good then. It's about his presence. Number three, being in his presence is a place of intimacy where God-given dreams are conceived. See, an intimacy is where conception comes from. Without intimacy, there is no conception. I believe the Holy Spirit was showing me that in His presence is where dreams are conceived. The dreams that He wants to put in you. Dreams for bigness for Him to be glorified. The Bible says, let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works, but they glorify Him. They don't see our good works and glorify us. They see your good works and they glorify God because they see what's happening in you and through you. And they say, oh my God, He's, he's real. And they say, I want that. God wants to so flow through us powerfully where people fall on their faces and say, I want the Jesus that you serve. But there is a cost to all of this. 
Isaiah 54 says, Shout for joy, O barren one. Who is he telling to shout? The one who's barren. You who have born no child, break forth into joyful shouting and cry aloud. You who have not travailed. For the sons of the desolate one will be more numerous than the sons of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Spare not. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your pegs. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left. And your descendants will possess nations and will resettle the desolate cities. Shout for joy, O barren one. Those who are barren are invited to praise and worship Him. And then their children, their fruitfulness is going to surpass that of people who have been fruitful. His presence, that place of intimacy, dreams that He wants to place in you to do powerful and crazy things for His kingdom will be born inside of you. It's like, oh my goodness. Like, you want to do that? He says, yes, I want to do that. I want you to let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works and they glorify me, him. He has dreams. Some of you have had dreams, have had things that God has spoken to you in the past and they've died. They've died on the vine. Let him bring those dreams back. And number four, benefit of his presence, dying to self, laying down your own life becomes embraced because your desire for the life of God in you becomes dramatically increased. His presence is powerful and important because dying to self becomes something that you and I embrace Because we become so hungry and so passionate for Him that I do not want me to get in the way. I do not want me to get in the way. Jesus said, or in in Galatians it says, Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Jesus said, Then He said to them, Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross, excuse me, daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever gives up his life for my sake will find it. Here is why many of us are not experiencing the life of God. Because we want to hold on to our life. We're not willing to let our life go. Jesus came to make an exchange. He says, do you want me? Yes, good. If you want me, die. He says, if any man wants to come after me, let him take up his cross. What does that symbolize? Not not a pretty piece of jewelry around our necks. Let him take up his cross, which means death. It meant crucifixion. It meant execution. Deny himself and follow me. And it says, those who belong to Jesus have crucified their flesh. With his passions. So that's something we should have already done. But it's something we have to do daily. Crucify the flesh. Take up my cross daily. Here is the problem. Too many of us are living our lives and we're inviting Jesus and Christianity to come into it. And whatever space there is left, because my life is so full, so whatever small gaps there are, that's where he's allowed to come into That's not Christianity. That's not what Jesus invited us to. 
He said, die. Lay it down. When you lay down your life for me, then you find it. It's not about adding him to my life. It's about me grabbing a hold of him and living from that position. The other day I was, I was driving down Yost this week, early this week. Whoops. Hope I didn't erase my notes. Well, the service will be over. They're there. It's okay. This week, uh, early, I was driving down Yost. And, you know, when you're just worshiping and all of a sudden these thoughts. I had this thought. He reminded me of two conversations I had with two men that earlier that week. And in both of those conversations, he pinpointed something. And I remember in the first conversation... I was talking to this guy and we we're talking and the conversation was going in a direction where this man could have given me accolades and praise. And I was like, here it comes. Here it comes. But it didn't happen. He went a different direction. And I felt this little tinge in my heart, this little disappointment. Later on that day, I had another conversation with a man. And in the conversation, there was an opportunity for this man to give me praise, accolades. You're like, you know, I really appreciate you. And I felt that coming. And it went. It didn't happen. So fast forward a couple of days later or the next day, I'm driving down Yost in his presence, worshiping him, being wrecked, and just saying crazy stuff. God, I love, you know, all this stuff. And he reminded me, remember that. He says, will you allow me, will you invite me to deal with that? Because what, what I was seeing in me is it was about me. It was about me. I don't want it to be about me. But there's still stuff in me that says it's about me. How am I going to deal with that? How am I going to get rid of that? Him. He said, will you invite me to deal with that? I said, yes. And then, here's, and then I started just crying out to him. And here's what I was about to pray. God, do whatever it takes. And as I was about to say that, something rose up in me and said, Don't do it. No. Abort. <laughs> Abort. No. To set up. Don't. And it's like, was that the devil? The devil didn't know what I was thinking. That was me. Self-preservation. You don't have to die. Come on, no, no. And when I recognized what was trying to raise itself up was self-preservation. I didn't want to die. And the other thing I saw is, do I not trust God? Do I not trust Him? Am I, am I afraid to say, God, do whatever it takes? Am I afraid to say that because I don't trust you? And therefore, I'm not going to say do whatever it takes because I don't trust where you're going to take me. I don't trust what it's going to look like. I don't trust the pain that I have to go through. I don't trust you, so I'm holding on to that. And see, all that was rising up in me. And I recognized what it was because the Holy Spirit was bringing light to it. And I say, God, I trust you. I want nothing short of you. Do whatever it takes. And I begin the shouting match again. 
Do whatever it takes. I want to die. Because And see, what's going on? I have been getting to know him. He's freaking me out because he's so awesome and so glorious. And I say, God, I want that. I want you. I want you. And then he'll show me something that's holding him back. And I say, kill it. How many times have we said, and you hear people say, and I've said it too, we all say it. Don't pray for patience. And why do we say that? Well, if you pray for patience, then all these trials come. Let me ask you this. What is patience? It's a fruit of the Spirit. Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit's manifesting through me, then what's going to manifest through me? Love, joy, patience, peace, gentleness, self-control. I don't want patience, Lord, because I don't want to die. Is that what I'm saying? I don't trust you. Man, forget that. But see, and this isn't just mental gymnastics where, okay, to be a good Christian, I'm going to say, God, kill it, die. You know, I'm not going to say, it's not that. But I've just been in His presence. And the crazy thing is, I draw close to Him, and He moves back at me faster than I can even move towards Him. Then I draw close to Him again, and He's back in my face. And I draw, I mean, it's just this, and I'm, I want more. And I'm finding myself making excuses to spend more time with him versus excuses to spend less time. I'll be downstairs, is which Dale and I fight over who gets the, down there first to spend time with God. So are you going downstairs, brother? Yeah. Rats. Dang it. Oh, I think you have a phone call in the office. But all this week, I'll go down there and just spend time with God, and it's like, I can spend 30 more minutes. And then I'll just worship and worship, and the song ends. I can do two more songs, and I don't want to stop. I get in my truck, and where I used to turn on sports radio all the time, I don't want it. Just spend time with Him, and something is happening. I just, it's like I can't get enough of Him. I'm becoming crazily addicted to Him. And I prayed this for years and years and years. God, I want to become a junkie that I can't function without your presence, that I can't live without you. And that's been my prayers. And that's scary because sometimes I'm like, I don't know if I want that. But God, I want to want that. And I feel like he's starting to answer that. You know, this, this morning, you know, I was just spending time with the Lord and and I was, I was caught by surprise. I was in the bathroom and I, I couldn't stop crying. I was trying not to wake my wife up. Because his presence was like, God... I can't take it, but I want more of you. I love you so much. Sorry. And he reminded me of three men that I was with this week. And I was thinking of one man that, you know, he's a man who drives an ambulance. 
And he works 24-hour shifts sometimes, 48-hour shifts. And he comes to church. And he has a hard time staying awake. So he'll bring cans of Red Bull to help him to stay awake. Because he doesn't want to miss God's presence. He doesn't want to miss what might happen here. I find myself trying to look for excuses to, to back off. And he's finding excuses to be here and to be in God's presence because he doesn't want to miss what God has. And I say, God, I want that. I want that passion that my brother has. God, bring it. And I was thinking of another man that I got to spend time with this week. And now we're sitting there hanging out in his living room talking. And I'm thinking, man, something's changing this guy. What is going on with him? And as he just started sharing what was going on in his life. And I found this fire in me saying, oh, God, I want that. Oh, man, I want you more. And this brother, as he was sharing, it was creating this hunger in me. It's like, God, I want that. I want that. And I was so privileged to be able to hang out with him. Because this man loves God. And I think, you know, this is a young man. These are two young men that I have the privilege of being in fellowship with. And when I get around them, they encourage me. They make me hungry and jealous for the, the, the life of God they have in their lives. And I say, God, I want more. I am not satisfied. And they provoke me to love and good works. They provoke me to want more of his presence. And I say, God, bring it. Bring it. And I thank God for men like that. Because, you know, I was thinking, you know, these two men, I know them pretty well. They've allowed me to get close to them. They have lovely wives and beautiful kids. And I think these young men, they're, they're, they're powerful, strong men, good-looking men. They can be out. They can be doing all kinds of crazy, stupid stuff. They want God. They want His presence. They want to love their wives. They want to raise their children in a godly environment. They want God's kingdom to be manifest more than anything else. Say, God, thank you. I want that more. And this guy was sharing some things that he's been listening to, some videos. And then I couldn't wait to get home and, and fire up YouTube and, and check this stuff out. And because of what God's been allowed to do in me, I've been inviting him to wreck me, to change me. God, I want to die so you can live through me. Watching these, this, hearing this preaching has it, had a profound impact on me. It's like all I want to do is die so he can live through me. And it's been crazy. I say, God, and it was weird because this morning I was just thinking about that, thinking of these men, and I'm I'm breaking down. I'm like, God, you're so good. I want you. I don't want anything else. I don't want anything else. And then I remember I was trying to be quiet, couldn't stop crying. Made it to the other part of the house. And then the Lord reminded me of one of my sons. Who I happen to live with right now. And I was thinking, you know, I have a son. Almost 17 years old. You know what he does for a hobby? He worships God. He's spending time trying to perfect his skill. He loves to sing. He's got a gift there. He, he's teaching himself on the guitar. And he spends all this time worshiping. It's like, dude, what is wrong with you? Are you kidding me? Dude, there's a PlayStation right there. We have a Wii over here. We have all this stuff. And he spends hours. Sometimes we have to tell him, 
can you please stop the guitar? We're trying to go to sleep. Your sister and brother are asleep. But he wants God's presence. And I say, God, thank you for that. I want that. I want it more. And this is what it's about. It's about his presence. It's about dying to ourselves so he can live through us. And see, this whole thing, we are so much holding on to our lives when it's all about us. And I got convicted by something I was listening to on that sermon. It's like, if I'm discouraged, if I'm in a state of discouragement, that means it's about me at that point. I am totally focused on me and what I'm not getting or what I'm not able to do or what I don't have. A dead man never gets discouraged. A dead man can never be offended. I remember when, when our brother Howard Katz a couple of weeks ago shared in his message. And the premise of his message was offense, forgiveness. Remember that? Talk about forgiveness. And it's like that was such a powerful message of people. Like, oh, that was so good. That was so good. And, and it's like, why do we still need messages of forgiveness? Why are we still holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness? Why are we struggling with that? Because we're not dead. We're holding on to me, my life, my selfishness. And I'm allowing my bitterness towards that person to rule and dominate me. When Jesus is inviting me to die so his life can live through me so that I can love that person. And not allow them. When you hold on to unforgiveness, when you hold on to resentment and anger and discouragement and everything, you are allowing those people to control your lives. And then you're in a prison. And that person may not have any idea. They're living their lives and you're in this prison. And I'm saying, God, I am sick and tired of all that mess. There are too many people dying. There are too many people bound up. Too many people sick who need healing. Too many people lost who need to be saved. And I'm focusing on my my woes and licking my wounds and feeling sorry for me. Are you kidding? And then he just says, come into my presence. Come hang out with me, son. And then he breaks me. I'm like, oh my. And he doesn't get me in his presence and say, you bad, wicked servant. Look at this. Didn't I tell you to forgive them? What I'm experiencing is I come in his presence to see how majestic, how awesome he is. And he's so crazily loving. Man, he loves me. And it's like he puts his arm around me. And he says, you know that that thing right there? Yeah, I see it. Will you allow me to deal with that? Yes, God, I just want you. Let's get out our communion cups. Please be careful when you open these. I don't want to be held liable for the grape juice on your beautiful blouse or shirt.
Now we take communion to remember Jesus and remember what he did. But the thing I want us to be reminded of is that he's inviting us to die. He died a horrible death. And he said, now you must take up your cross and follow me. But he says, if you lay down your life, then you get my life. If you lay down your life, then you get the ability to love people like I love people. And the stuff that we're stuck on, the discouragement, and I'm not, and I know you know I'm not belittling our problems. I mean, David had a serious issue when he came home and his, his kids and his family were kidnapped. His houses were burnt down. And it says the men were discouraged. They were distraught and they cried till they had no strength left in them. That's a serious situation. That's not, oh, David, get over it. Come on, you little whiner. It was a serious situation. You and I live in serious situations. Heartbreak. Dreams that have been smashed to pieces. Offenses towards you that are horrendous or very difficult. That's why it takes him to do something about it. And the only way to live is to die. And how we do that is get in his presence. He softens our heart. He says, will you follow me here? Yes. Will you follow me here? Yes. Will you allow me to deal with this? Yes. 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 And then you turn around and it's like, whoa. I didn't realize. Look how I've changed. The things that used to bother me don't bother me anymore. The bitterness that was holding and binding me, I'm free. He did all that so we could be free. He gave his body to be broken and whipped and abused so our bodies could be whole. Father, we thank you for what you've done. Jesus, we thank you for going to the cross in our place so that we could live. And we thank you and we remind ourselves of the incredible covenant that you made, that you initiated so that we could live with you and for you. In Jesus' name, let's partake of the bread. And he shed his incredible blood. Washed us in his blood. He took upon our sin, gave us his righteousness. All through the act of dying. Jesus, thank you for this incredible blood that you shed so we can be free. Thank you, Father. Let's take it together. Let's all stand. I want to say one more thing as I close. I am so realizing that Jesus dying for me really doesn't have anything to do with heaven. 
Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He didn't say heaven. He said the Father. He came that we may have eternal life. Eternal life is not heaven. Eternal life, John 17, 3, this is eternal life that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. It's not about heaven. It's about him who happens to live in heaven. And see, the problem is, is we get our eyes on heaven. Well, at least when I die, I get to go to heaven. And so what happens is we put ourselves in a posture of, I'm going to live any way I want to now so that when I die, then I'm going to be in heaven. And we missed the whole thing. He didn't come to die so we can go to heaven. He came to die so we can know Him. That starts now. He wants us to know Him. That's what it's about. Him, not heaven. He happens to live in heaven. Let's pray. Jesus, it's all about you. We love you so much because, because you first loved us. Oh God, I pray, I pray, I pray that we would respond to your invitation. Your invitation, Father. We would say yes. We would say yes to you. I'm going to ask the ministry team if you would come forward, please. And what I'm going to ask the rest of you to do is right now is just talk to him. Whatever invitation he's extending in your heart, whatever he's speaking to you about, just begin to dialogue with him. He may be putting his finger on something in your soul. Just respond. Thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you who respond. We give you our hearts. We thank you, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. I intentionally didn't give an invitation for worship, you to respond to worship and and whatever God's doing. I didn't feel like I was supposed to go that way because I want to encourage you to really talk to him, let him have his way because it's not about Sunday morning, it's about every day. And the real worship between you and him, the real life change is every day between you and him alone. And then Sunday is just a continuation together of what we've experienced throughout the week. But I do want to invite you, if you just need God to do anything in your life and you would love for these, these saints to pray for you, the prayer team, just to minister to you, just to love on you, just to bless you in whatever way you need. I want to invite you in a moment, as soon as I dismiss, to come up. And as soon as we do dismiss, as we have people being ministered to, I would ask you, if you stay in here, to to please be quiet so that they're not distracted. Uh, If you want a fellowship, please, you're welcome to go in the hallway and just hang out and love on each other, okay? But let's just be mindful of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in here. So Father, we again thank you for your goodness. We thank you that You're just incredible. You're amazing. And you offer yourself. You are our reward. We say thank you, Father. 
I just speak the blessing and the love of God over every person in this place, every family represented, that they would just be overwhelmed by the goodness and love of God this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.